Welcome everybody to Monday Night Live, my internet radio show. Uh, tonight I've got some special guests from the Baltic states. When I uh, arranged this, um, there hadn't been any excitement in Ukraine and I thought we were just going to talk about cultures and uh, the wonderful scenery and everything else in, in the Baltics, but I think things have uh, slightly moved on since then. I'm just going to share my screen with a few slides and um, just to um, just to give you a little bit of an overview, just looking at the Baltic states, which are uh, very interesting countries on the side of the Baltic Sea, but with Russia and Belarus on the other side, um, Iron Curtain countries, they've been in and out of wars. And for the last 30 years, they joined NATO and joined the European Union, which has been fabulous for them. But just below Lithuania is uh, part of Russia, which is called Kleming Kaliningrad, which is uh, stocked up with all sorts of weapons, I understand. And I am going to go to uh, Val, who's from Lithuania and Belarus first. But I got this idea because of Chris, Car Chris Tarrant's train programme when he caught a train from the north of Estonia to the south of Lithuania. Fascinating, uh, a fascinating program. And Anu, who's going to join us as soon as the computer works, was out in the snow this weekend, sent me these photos from her um, country house, summer house, which uh, doesn't quite look like a summer house at the moment. So, um, Thanks for joining me, everybody. And let's go now to uh, Val. Val's in London and uh, Val is originally from uh, Lithuania and from Belarus. Are you there, Val? I'm here. Hi, Derek. Hi, Val. Tell us a little bit about your story about Lithuania and Belarus. Sure. So I was born in Lithuania because um, my mom decided to do her degree in Lithuania. At that time, Kaunas University was the best medical university in Europe. And uh, she decided to move there to get her education and uh, settle down in Lithuania. And this is where I was born. And uh, my family or my parents uh, still live in Lithuania, but I grew up in Belarus. It happened so that uh, at the age of uh, about two months, I moved to Belarus and I spent 17 years of my life in Belarus. That's why I do have Lithuanian passport, which is at the moment gives me lots of privileges, I would imagine. But uh, I consider myself Belarusian because this is where I grew up. This is where my grandparents live. This is where I spent my childhood uh, before I moved to the UK. Wow, fantastic. Now, what's the difference between Belarus and Lithuania? What are the outstanding features? I guess uh, the difference is quite significant, probably even uh, there, is, there are obviously lots of similarities in terms of the culture and everything, because historically uh, the two countries have been quite closely linked. Uh, but Lithuania was the first country who decided to gain its independence after the collapse of USSR in 1991. And uh, it is quite... Um, quite a modern, advanced, pro-Western country, I would say, while Belarus is still very much uh, living in the, in the age of trying to recover from 
communism, but still having some features there, as uh, unfortunately we are quite known in the world to have uh, the last dictatorship in Europe, and uh, it is still present. And unfortunately, we are all uh, facing it there. Uh, it's quite a big problem. And uh, in terms of people, uh, I guess there are also lots of similarities, but some differences as well. I think uh, when people meet Lithuanian people, uh, they consider them being very serious because we are not very expressive in terms of the emotions. We don't smile at everyone, as for example, lots of people here in the UK do. For us, we need to gain trust of that particular person to be able to express our true feelings and true, true emotions. That's why I think sometimes we are being perceived as very serious people concentrating on serious issues, which is not true. I guess it's just a cultural aspect. Um, we are quite uh, intelligent, I would say as well, because about 93% of the population in Lithuania um, have uh, secondary education. Um, and uh, I would also say that um, from Lithuanians, the uh, main cultural aspect would be, we are quite nostalgic as well, that sometimes uh, we like to think about our traditions. We like to celebrate lots of different religious holidays together in the family and family is quite a big thing. Uh, with Belarusians, I guess um, the differences are, we are very friendly and very welcoming. So we are probably less serious than um, uh, Lithuanian people are being perceived. Uh, we are taught from an early age to help people around us. It's uh, one of our features. Our doors are open to not only neighbors, but people who are in need. This is how I was taught and brought up by, by my grandparents back, uh, back in the days. So we are known for our kindness. Uh, we are quite tolerant as well, I would say. Um, and maybe it could be perceived from both sides, uh, something that is positive, but also something that is negative, probably um, because we are so tolerant, this is the situation or current economic situations that we ended up being in. Uh, but we are also very hardworking because I think, again, it's, it goes back to some historical events where we had to work quite hard um, to look after the land, to bring up the agriculture. And actually, Belarus was one of the most advanced countries before the collapse of USSR in terms of um, agriculture back in the days. Wow. But in wow. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. And we did talk about this at the rehearsal last week, didn't we? How, how are people feeling? at the moment? Uh, I guess uh, if you ask me from the Belarusian side, I would probably speak more on that because most of my friends and obviously my, my grandparents are residing there. Um, at the moment with the current events, uh, I think we are quite terrified uh, and uh, we are of course uh, very worried about the world events happening. Um, we are also being quite, um, well, negatively perceived on social media because, uh, unfortunately, people are seeing us uh, as someone who supports the, uh, well, the, this whole special operation, as it's being called uh, in Russia, uh, against Ukraine, which is uh, not true at all. If you talk to lots of people, we are, of course, trying to find ways how to help. We have been fighting for our own freedom and independence since August 2020, since the disputed elections. 
uh, lots of my friends and some family members unfortunately went through uh, quite a significant um, prison sentences because of them not supporting the, the current government and have been quite heavily affected. I myself always um, find it difficult to go back home um, and to be able to see my family and visit them because I always have issues of different sorts uh, at the border when I'm trying to enter the country. So uh, we all are quite uh, horrified with the recent events, uh, everything that is happening um, on the Russian side is obviously being, we are being affected by that because we are being seen as allies. And uh, yes, I guess it's, it's quite a sad time for everyone at the moment. And uh, we are, I, and by we, I mean, uh, our young community of people are trying to, to support and find ways how to help um, Ukraine as much as we can. Well, thanks, Val. Thanks for sharing that with you, with us, and we do uh, we do wish you well. Um, Val starting a new job today, actually in London as well, so she's still found the time to um, to uh, join us on a Monday Night Live. You left uh, Moody's last week, and you've who who is it you've just joined today? Working for Google. Working for Google. Well, congratulations for that, and thanks for joining us. And I hope you'll stay on while we uh, go to some of my other guests that was absolutely brilliant and wish you your friends and everybody well um okay now um now i'm going to switch to ava uh who is in albuquerque new mexico but ava was born in estonia and uh, grew up in estonia and before she uh, moved to america to take her degree ava something resonates with what val said about um about uh, people from the Baltic states being reserved. And I remember when I went to speak for uh, Anivask in Estonia, uh, people didn't smile at me. They didn't come up to me until I'd finished speaking. Ava, uh, is that the whole of the Baltic states are like that then? I would think so, I would think so. But interestingly enough, in Estonia, we think that Lithuanians are the Italians of the Baltic states. So. We take it to the next level when it comes to reservedness and seriousness. Oh, really? So oh, what you meant by Italians, you meant they were up front and... Uh... Yes, emotional and outgoing and happy and smiling. So as reserved as Lithuanians are, uh, they are still way more smiling than Estonians. Oh, wow. Well, tell us a little bit about when you grew up in uh, Estonia. What was your, uh, what was your memories? Well, I was born and raised in the Soviet Union, so it's it's been interesting to look back at my childhood because, of course, the state propaganda was pretty severe when you look back, but I was lucky enough to be born into a family that was strongly anti-regime. I remember when I was five years old, my uncle would sing with me anti-Soviet songs in the back room of the house and he would tell me make sure you don't sing these songs anywhere but it's important to know these songs so um, definitely sort of a, a conflicting two conflicting worldviews in my childhood but not everybody was happy I recently spoke to somebody from Poland and she said that to her it was a cultural shock to come to the United States in the 90s because her historic consciousness was very different how the rest of the West saw World War II and the aftermath. Wow. And I think you told me that uh, your granny had never been outside the village she's, uh, she's born in and she, um, 
she asked you never to leave the village as well. Was that right? Yes, that's true. And this is the case uh, right now in Estonia as well, considering the political climate. The same as in it is Ukraine. Where are you going to go? This is the home and this is where you're going to stay. And that's what you're going to fight for and die for. Fantastic. Now I'm going to uh, I'm going to switch to Anna and see if Anna can talk to us even without the Zoom. Are you uh, without the picture? Are you there, Anna? Yes, I am very here. With Thank no pic you. we're still with no pictures. With no pictures, unfortunately, this computer doesn't work um, with me today. I'm I'm really sorry, but um, if I could add some words to what Eva said, yes, wait please. until you get also one Finns Finn here because if we are talking about Finnish people, they are even more reserved. For example, we have a joke in Estonia that um, uh, you know if you tell a joke today, they would understand it tomorrow. So <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> And um, yeah, I would agree with Eva and I would agree with the, what Valeria said. And I was born also during Soviet regime. And um, I guess I am a little bit older than you guys, uh, Eva and Valeria are. And uh, I remember also the times when um, we were not allowed to celebrate Christmas time and you had to put on curtains so that nobody could see that you were celebrating Christmas. You were not allowed to go to the church because the teachers were uh, standing in front of the church and they were marking down all the names who went to the church because at that time it was not the case that you could celebrate Christmas. That is also something I always remember, but in my home, we always celebrated Christmas. Yeah. And just, just, sorry, just to add here, Derek, it's interesting to always pay attention how any single nation is telling the story of the past. We sometimes dismiss history as it's not a scientific or it's not part of science, it's unimportant. But the way the Russian history today tells the story of going to church and practicing of freedom of religion being illegal, technically in the Soviet Union, they would say that it wasn't illegal, it was strongly discouraged. Mm -hmm. yeah. Words are very important. Although I was born in the area of Estonia where most uh, Russian speaking population lives, the ratio was around like, it is still uh, even nowadays, 80% of uh, Russians and uh, Russian-speaking uh, people and 20% of Estonians. It is near the uh, Russian border, the town called Narva, uh, which is the most eastern part, uh, the most eastern uh, border of uh, the European Union. So this is where I was born. But thanks to that, we always look at the bright side of life. I speak Russian. <laughs> You do seem very positive, Anna. When when we met in two thousand and eight, when I spoke at your conference, and uh, and um, even with what's going on now, you um, you are a very positive person. So congratulations about that. How how's Thank everyone you. feeling at the moment? Very well. <laughs> okay. No, about the situation that's going on in uh, in in Ukraine and NATO and everything else. We did discuss that slightly last week, didn't we? Mm. OK, OK, well, I guess you'd rather not say anything. So that's uh, that's fine. And uh, we agreed that uh, if you didn't want to answer any questions, we would uh, move on. Now, we saw your uh, we saw your summer house on the pictures you sent me this morning. Um, that looked absolutely beautiful. Um, how cold was it out there? Um, in winter, it was minus 25, I would say. 
uh, it was really, really cold. And it's an old fashioned house where you still have to bring uh, in some wood and make some fire. And uh, that is like um, being at my granny's. It is how people used to live like 100 years ago. And I managed to keep the house as it is. So it's really nice. And um, to be honest, I also wanted to add something um, uh, about Ukraine. I think that, uh, if I may say so, I hope uh, you don't mind. Please um, do. If people are not talking about it, I think it is not right. We still need to talk about it. And we still, we are free people. We need to uh, express ourselves how we feel. We feel sad, we, we, we feel shocked. I think that it's not right if we don't talk about it. No, I understand that. I understand that. We're, we're absolutely bombarded by the news about it here. So people are talking about it uh, all the time, which is, um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's certainly, uh, uh, it's certainly very, very current. And uh, we're delighted that uh, the UK has um, got some, sent some more troops to Estonia, because I think Estonia is part of um, the British contingent of NATO. I think that's what I've, that's what I've understood. Yeah, and we feel uh, very uh, grateful for all the support all the other countries have given to us. And uh, it is kind of uh, walking in a very thin line because um, we have he all heard probably that uh, what will happen next, there are also some views that people think uh, if um, you know Russia decides to invade further, then the Baltics would be the next. I don't want to think about it, but uh, there have been discussions on, on that on our TV. People have asked about it. Although we try to uh, stay positive, I think that uh, this uh, is something that makes us uh, all um, think what would happen next. Am I prepared for that? Sure. Sure. Well, um, you have our uh, our total support and uh, thank you for coming on and talking to us. And if we may get you back again on a Monday Night Live in a few weeks time when your camera works, that would be even better. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry about that. No, it's OK. Yeah. But I, I did think you were the high tech capital of the world, but uh, that would be my uh, English joke, wouldn't it, uh, Anna? <laughs> I'd like to go to uh, California now to... Uh, Janice Litvin, who's been a star of Monday Night Live before with her book, Banished Burnout. Janice, your granny came from Latvia, I believe, and um, I think they um, got a train to Ireland and caught a boat to New York to avoid the Nazis. What's but the story? They, I believe they left from Liverpool, actually, and I was just thinking about that last week, how the, the trauma and the terror of having to commute all across Europe to get from Latvia to England to pick up a boat. But what I wanted to talk about was, uh, I was thinking a lot when Valeria and Ava and Anu were speaking about the culture. So being Jewish in Eastern Europe was a different experience that added another layer of persecution. And so, um, what informed their lives besides, uh, it, well, so quite often people say, are you Jewish or are you American? How do you identify yourselves? Well, in Latvia and all of those, all the countries 
of that area, you were Jewish first because that's how the country identified you and that's how they chose to treat you, whether it was the government and sometimes the um, citizens around you, sometimes neighbors. Uh, and sadly, as you know, people love to hate people who are different from ourselves. And, you know, I don't want to get into world uh, religion as a basis for wars, but <laughs> which is not in the case of Ukraine and Russia. But what I wanted to say was that um, family mores and, and how, even though I was not born in Latvia, my mother was, she left as a baby, but the attitudes and the cultural um, differences filtered down to the next generations. And so when you say we're a melting pot or when you go into, a, let's say you go into a corporate situation and you see people from China and India and Russia, even the Americans still have semblances of their cultural differences from generations past because all the stories and all the attitudes and all the preferences got passed along through the generations. For example, the identifying story of my entire life was that my grandfather had to escape the Cossacks because of persecution. And so that, and then um, there was a little vignette that he got pretty far and then he had to turn around and go back for my mother and grandmother. And then imagine being on the boat, she was pregnant and I'm sure the boats were very, very crowded and imagine having morning sickness and being on a boat and people getting sick and getting cholera and, and all the diseases they got. It's a miracle they survived the boat trip itself, not to mention the crowds in New York and all the rest and trying to survive in a country where you didn't know the language and you didn't know the people. Now in New York, there were of course many, many immigrants. So I'm sure there was some more camaraderie, but eventually they went to Houston because there was an uncle, my grandmother's mother's brother was in Houston. So my grandmother's mother and two of her brothers went straight to Houston, Texas from Latvia, which seems odd to me. Like how would you choose Houston, Texas from Latvia? But there was family there and they were supported. And in those days, and I'm sure it's been true many through many um, decades, you had to have a sponsor to get into the United States because the government did not want you to be a burden. I think that's still true today. You didn't, you had to show that you were healthy and that you could earn a living. So you had to have a sponsor. And so um, going straight from Latvia to Houston seems so foreign to me because can you imagine the cultural shift and try, trying to get along with people and building community in a, I call it a strange place because Houston, as you know, has a lot of uh, rich history in their ways of thinking and doing things, which certainly was true back then and through my childhood. But um, the persecution complex lives on from generation to generation. And also the, uh, one of you mentioned rebelliousness. My mother was extremely rebellious growing up and I inherited that trait. But interestingly, it was the rebelliousness that allowed my family to survive because without taking the risk of going against the grain and running off, they wouldn't have survived. So, so I owe that rebelliousness to their survival. Another lesson my mother used to teach me, which I think is very true in that part of the world is, if you didn't suffer, you didn't accomplish anything. So in other words, hard work was a huge, requirement to survive and to thrive. 
Whereas in the last few decades, we're taught in cultural parlance, oh, it's not about working hard, it's about working smart. But I was always taught if you didn't work really, really hard, you didn't deserve the rewards that you might have received. And I think sometimes I make work, I, I, I make my success harder on myself because I don't think I always take the easy way out because I, back in the back of my mind, my mother's telling me, you, did, you have to work really hard. That's fantastic, Janice. Um, is that right? I mean, we're, we're raising some real cultural issues here that maybe people don't realize. The one thing I didn't realize is you said, are you Jewish or are you American? Is that seriously uh, what happens? Well, as you, as you know, a lot of people uh, resent Jewish, the Jewish people and the Jewish culture in America uh, for all sorts of reasons that I won't break down for you. No, no, but... I didn't want to go there. I was just, just surprised because I don't think, and somebody will correct me, that would happen in England. Okay, I think we're beyond that, or I hope we are, or maybe I'm naive. I, I don't know, but we'll... Well, we'll I hope so. We'll tackle you know, that uh, after the recording, I think. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was just in Savannah, Georgia for a speaking engagement, and we went to Hilton Head, which I don't know if anyone knows, it's a resort island off the coast of South Carolina, one hour northeast of um, Savannah, Georgia. Some very good golf courses there. We know. Yes. yes. So we were having, I have a high school friend that got married and moved there as kind of a retirement community. They love golf. And we were drinking, you know, casually, but the husband started asking us questions about being Jewish and is it true that Jews care about having a lot of money? I mean, it just, it just was shocking to me how people think based on, and this gentleman was brought up in the Bronx where there, I'm sure he grew up around a lot of Jewish people, but there are a lot of negative, as you know, connotations about the Jewish people and our emphasis on education and money. And at least people think it's all about the money. It's not, but yes, money is a measure of success they're, they're more important measures, but um, it's just shocking to me how people have these preconceived notions Crazy, about Absolutely. Judaism and other religions, not just Judaism. Yeah, sure, sure. I'd like to go to Denmark now to Mavet, who's been patiently uh, waiting. Those of you that know your geography will know that uh, if you're in the Baltics, you've got to sail right around Denmark to get out into the Atlantic Ocean. So, um, and of course, um, Denmark's where all the Vikings came from, uh, plundering the UK uh, thousands and thousands of years ago. Welcome, Yvette. Uh, any, what, any thoughts from what you've been listening to today? Yes. Um, well, uh, I must say that um, having talked about the Baltics and also adding the religious um, uh, item just very lastly, uh yes i am i'm born in denmark and i actually live in copenhagen you did write Aarhus, which is the second biggest town which is where i was born so it wasn't so it wasn't incorrect I was close. I was yeah close. you were very close um my parents are from turkey it's the traditional immigrant story and i was born here and raised here i've lived in london um and i've known you for a couple of years uh many years decades i would say derek um I would say that they are pretty frivolous compared to the other cultures we've discussed. Um, very, very open-minded, um, very direct. They'll speak their minds. Um, and they have been used to do that for 
for decades really, um, also during the war. And, and therefore what we are witnessing today with Ukraine, Russia, even what I witnessed in Turkey, where you can't speak your truth or where if you do so, it will have consequences is very far from the way we are living our life here in Denmark. Um, but also um, that said, frivolous, open-minded, there are still, there are still prejudices around, which I have also experienced on my on my own body. Not not that much today as I did like 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, maybe. But I am born into the Muslim culture or religion, if you may say. Um, I'm very open-minded. Uh, one of my very best friends, she's Jewish and she actually lives in Israel, Tel Aviv. Uh, we met in London. Um, so that goes, but I wouldn't, I mean, I could easily, I could easily see a Dane ask, is it true that Jews, that Jews, they still do this and that? Like they would ask me, is it true that Muslims, they'll do this and that? Um, which doesn't happen. When I lived in London, you, you would, you would never, you would never refer to a person that that person was black or that person was Asian or that person was, that's that's a true melting pot, I have to say, or at least London was for me, and and I still believe it is, without being overly protective of, of other cultures, which I also like. So I was quite surprised when I heard a few years ago that it was being discussed whether we should still continue calling, you know, naming Christmas Christmas uh, rather than something else, which is completely... Um, completely stupid to me because of course Christmas is Christmas but this is just to tell um, that I do believe we all all nations um, we are we are on on a journey we are involving um, some countries and specifically if they are bigger perhaps slower than others but as I can hear from Estonia and Latvia um, there are some slow moves but that's also you know based on the history and actually that said um today instagram is not too bad i would say um but today i just read this um this message from a guy called deepak chopra i guess some of you may know who yeah, he yeah. is i thought it was quite clever words and i just want to read them out for you um because he says Bloodshed and murder in Ukraine will recycle as epigenic trauma for generations. Russian friends do not allow a single impotent psychopath to ruin the life of your descendants and those of your brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Civil disobedience and peaceful strikes by you could turn the tide of history. And I have to say that I believe very much in that and I believe very much in historic traumas and that's what we carry and that's also what I have witnessed today, that is also what I hear. So everything that we can do as human citizens to ride against that and to stay peaceful and respectful uh, would definitely help. And I guess that's the last bit, the respectful part that um, Putin hasn't learned that yet. But I guess he's still a little child, so we'll see. A young soul. <laughs> Thanks, Mavet. That's... Um... That's very insightful. I'm shocked, actually. I have to say I'm shocked living in London and traveling into London, which is uh, said to be one of the most multicultural societies uh, in, in the world, that uh, some of these things are still going on. I thought we'd grown up and 
got over them. I know there's been pockets of it in the UK, but I didn't realise in other countries it was uh, still like that. But um, we're all learning all the time, always earning, always learning, etc. Um, I just want to thank my guests before I turn the recording off. I wanted to thank uh, Anu Vask, who's actually in Estonia, Eva Fenari, who's um, in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, Val, who's in London, but from Lithuania and grew up in Belarus, Janice Litvin in California, but whose granny and mum were born in Latvia, and Mavet Sahin for uh, coming on uh, from Denmark. Uh, and I'm going to throw, there's one or two questions I'm going to ask in the box, but once we've closed the recording. So can I thank you for joining me? Any questions? Uh, you can find our speakers on, uh, on LinkedIn. Anything you want to uh, fire at me, uh, send me an email at action at derekarden.co.uk. If you're joining this on YouTube or watching this or listening to this on the Negotiators podcast, thank you. And please do join us live when you get the opportunity.